Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. Listen, it's, it, is, it is always apparent, and it cannot be hidden. When people pray, they've got something to give. If you don't pray... You don't have anything to give. Holy Spirit works and moves, and that's that's so awesome. Listen, real quickly, uh, you know me. I got a word, man. I'm, I got to bring a word. I, I want to give you something. It's not going to be real long, an hour and a half at the most. So I want you to stand with me, please, uh, and take your Bible, open your iPad, your iPhone, whatever you've got that's got the Bible on it. And I want you to open it with me, please, to the book of Isaiah. And I know I'm throwing my media team off back there. Isaiah chapter 54. And then we'll go back uh, to Mark 2.22. Isaiah chapter 54. And I want to read verses 1 and 2. A couple weeks ago, the Lord began to deal with me concerning uh, the subject of making room. Making room. Look at the, the person standing next to you and say, make room. As some would say, scrunch over. I don't know what that means, but make room. Make room. Isaiah chapter 54 And verse 1 says this, Sing, O barren one, who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of her who is married, says the Lord. Let me, let me just explain that to you real quick. This is, this is actually a prophetic word that the prophet Isaiah is prophesying concerning you and I. Isaiah is prophesying that there will be a day that the Gentiles, which that's who we are, we've been adopted into the family, but he's prophesying of a time when those that are non-Jews will bring forth more fruit than the Jew themselves. That's what he meant by the barren one. There was a time when barrenness covered you and I. But God said there's a time that's coming that you need to sing O barren one, there's going to be, a, there's, there is a sound that's coming out of the body of Christ for those who are willing, those who are willing to abandon themselves, those who are willing to lay down all the preconceived ideas and all the preconceived notions 
and all the man-made junk. And there's a time when God is going to say it is time for you to sing, O barren one. How many of you know this morning that, that if you sit, soak, and sour in your mess, that's where you're going to be. But there has to be a moment in your life, and I believe that we're in that moment now where the body of Christ is going to rise up, that there's going to be a spirit of wisdom and revelation that's going to come from the Holy Spirit, that's going to look at you eyeball to eyeball and say, hey, I didn't create you to be depressed. I didn't create you to be broken. I didn't create you in the mess that you've been walking in. It is time for you to rise up and let a sound begin to come out of your mouth. Sing, O barren. So Isaiah was prophesying that there was going to be a day when those who would sing and cry aloud uh, and that the children of the desolate one would be more than the children of her who is, in, who is married, says the Lord. Verse 2, enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. Make room. For the move of God. Father, we thank you today for your blessing. We thank you that your word is living and powerful. We thank you this morning that the, the ground has already been plowed and broken up. And that the seed of your word this morning is going to bring forth much fruit in the lives of those that are listening. We honor you. We give you praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You can take your seat. Thank you so much for standing I want you to notice that Isaiah prophesied this. One of the, one of the great things about the Word of God, uh, if somebody might be listening today, and you might say, I don't believe in the Bible. I don't believe that the Bible is the Word of God. I believe it's just a bunch of fairy tales and fables and all that. And I believe it was just thrown together by some man or something thousands of years ago, and I don't really believe the Word of God. Well, I challenge you to go into the Word of God and go back and look at prophecies uh, that are contained in the Scripture, and you will find that as you begin to study the prophecies that are handed down in Scripture, you will find that all of them, not just one, not just two, not just three, but all of them are precise. They are precise in what was prophesied. Isaiah prophesied around 705 to 700 years before Christ ever came. Isaiah didn't know anything about Jesus Christ. He didn't know that Jesus was going to be born, that would become a sacrifice for the sins of people, but yet he prophesied that there was going to be a day that the Jewish nation that had rejected God and rejected Christ, that there was going to be a day that, that the Gentiles, which were considered dogs and no value uh, to society at that time, that there would be a time when the Gentiles themselves would... would uh, Inherit and be blessed by the kingdom of God. It came to pass Jesus was born. So once again, the prophecies of the scripture 
have been fulfilled. And they're being fulfilled even right now. They're coming to pass. As a matter of fact, we, as a matter of fact, so many of them have already come to pass that there's only about maybe one that has not come to pass. We are so close to the coming of Christ. The rapture of the church is actually the only word that hasn't come to pass yet. It's coming. It's coming. Sing, O barren. Make room. This, this passage of Scripture is about making room. It's about enlarging the place of your dwelling. It's about stretching forth. And, and Isaiah used uh, the analogy of a tent. When me and Judy first got married, we had a, what I would call a little pup tent. It was big enough that she and I could crawl through the door and uh, lay side by side real close, and we would have enough room for the pup tent. But there came a time in our lives that we began to have children. And when we began to have children, we had to enlarge our tent. In other words, we had to get another tent that was bigger and could be stretched out farther. And then we grew up, really, and we said, these tent things ain't no good. And so we quit camping. So, so now we just camp in the house. But enlarge, make room for what God wants to do. Listen, I believe today that God's wanting to speak a word to us this morning. That there's no question about what he's going to do. And there's no question about what he wants to do in your life. But God wants us to know this morning that it will require that we make room for him. Some of the worst things that can happen to us is we get so uh, caught up in man-made doctrine and religion that, that the move of God can't happen in our, our lives because it doesn't fit in the plan or the box that man has told us about. And so what God is saying is, what I want to do has not been done before. What I want to do in your life has not happened in your life before. You don't have the plan for it, and you don't have the wrapping for it, but what I want to do in your life is going to require that you get out of your comfort zone, that you get out of the, out of the status quo that you've been in and make room for what I want to do. And so now I want you to go to the book of Mark, chapter 2. And look with me at verse 22, Mark, chapter 2, and verse 22. So the Bible says, and as you're, while you're turning to Mark, chapter 2, and verse 22, the Bible tells us in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, and verse 13, Jeremiah was prophesying, and God spoke through him and talked about that his people had committed two evils. The first evil that they had committed, talking about the, the uh, country of Judah, the first evil that they had committed was that they had forsaken him who was the fountain of living waters. 
The second evil that they had committed was that, and, and it always happens when you forsake the fountain of living waters, that you begin to hew out cisterns that could hold no water. In other words, what God was saying through Jeremiah the prophet was this, that my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, the, the, the fountain that brings life into your, into your soul, the fountain that furnishes uh, life in desert places. And he said they have hewn out cisterns. They have hewn them out. And he said, but they're not capable of holding water. That's what man-made doctrines and man-made religions will do. That's what the enemy wants to happen in the body of Christ. It's that we begin to think that we've got to do it our way. Can I tell you something this morning? That without the anointing of Holy Spirit, you can't do anything, and you will never be able to do anything. It is the power of Holy Spirit that breathes life and breathes power over the body of Christ. And listen, I believe today that God is bringing the body of Christ back to a place where we will abandon everything else and say, God, if you don't come in your power, then we'll not have anything happen. God, if you don't work in my life with the work of your spirit, then we'll not do anything. We'll not be able to do anything. Listen, can I tell you something this morning? No wonder the devil has done everything in your life to try to stop the move of God and to show down the anointing from working in your life. No wonder we are such a society that's looking for seeker-friendly and seeker-sensitive because all we're used to many times is to have an appetizer on Sunday morning and we never get to that place where I walk out of the house of God and I say I'm full because God has done something in my life. So many times people go to church and, and they get up and, and just get an appetizer. They don't ever get the meat of God's Word. They don't ever get uh, into God's Word that will radically change their lives. Listen, I love praise and worship. And that's great. And I love, I love dramas and they're great. But listen, there comes a time, ladies and gentlemen, that we've got to get in the Word of God. Because if you don't know the Word of God, Holy Spirit can't speak through you. Because Holy Spirit speaks through the Word of God. That's the reason I'm so adamant about preaching. Not because I necessarily like to preach. But it's the power of God's Word that changes in Mark chapter 2 and verse 22, Jesus said this, No one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins. The wine is destroyed, and so are the skins. But new wine is for fresh wineskins. I just real quickly want to share with you some things, and I'm going to try to be calm, cool, and collected because I want you to get what I'm about to say. I have preached this passage of Scripture many, many times. And I've talked about 
how that God is looking for a new wineskin to put new wine in. And I've twisted and, and, and talked about it from every angle. But the other day, I wasn't planning on this scripture. I wasn't planning on preaching from this scripture. I just knew that God was speaking to me on the subject of make room for him. And I turned to this passage of scripture, and Holy Spirit just began to download in my spirit some things that I want to share with you. Jesus was talking about something new that was going to happen, something new that was going to come, something new that was going to move in the lives of people. And he used the analogy of wineskins and new wine. Most of you from the country understand how that, that grapes, uh, that, that wine is made from the fermentation process of grapes. And when grapes begin to ferment, it produces gases. And these gases expand. And if they're not in a container that is strong enough to hold it, this gas will cause the container to bust, thus spilling out the new wine. And so Jesus used this analogy because back then they didn't have bottles. They didn't have containers like we have. And so they used wine skin or skin of an animal to store their new wine in or the, the grape juice. And when they would put the juice in these skins, it would ferment and the gases would expand the skin, and if the skin wasn't strong enough to hold it, guess what? It would bust out, and the wine or the juice would be lost. But here's what I want to share with you this morning. Jesus said this, no man puts new wine into old wine skins. If he does, the wine will burst the skins and the wine is destroyed. No man puts new wine into old wine skins. Old wine skins were the, were the type that once they were used and everything was drained out of them, the skin would begin to dry. And as the skin began to dry, it would weaken and it would crack. Therefore, it would not be able to hold anything new. Jesus talking about new wine and new wineskins lets us know that there's something new that's about to come our way. It lets me know when I read that verse, because I believe in, the, in, in applying the Word of God to my life, when I read that verse, it let me know that God is about to do something new in my life. I'm thankful for what he did yesterday. I'm grateful for how he's blessed me before. I'm grateful for the anointing that I experienced last week or last month, and I'm excited about all that. But listen, I can't live off of yesterday's bread. I can't live off of yesterday's blessing. There comes a time in my life that I've got to experience something fresh and something new. 
See, that might be some of our problem this morning is that we're still trying to live off of something that happened last year. We're, stri- we're still trying to, to, to ride on the blessing, the anointing that God poured out last week or last month. Friend, that was last week or last month. This is today, February 12th, I think it is, 2023. And God is saying, I want to do something new in your life. Now listen, it kind of scares me when God begins to say, I want to do something new in your life. Because guess what? Most of the time, it is going to require movement from me. It is going to require, because you know we're human beings, and we settle down in our little ruts. I know I ain't talking to y'all. Talking to me. We settle down in our little ruts. We get comfortable in the way that we have always been doing it. And so we get in that rut. A rut is simply a grave with both ends open. So when God begins to talk about, I want to do something new, then God begins to work around the flower bed of our life. He might begin to say, okay, in order for me to do something new and in order for you to make room for what I'm going to do, it will require a little bit more commitment from you. Wow. I wish I could have found another word because I just felt a cold wind come across. Oh, pastor, he's fixing to start talking about got to give more money. We don't need your money. My daddy owns the cattle on a thousand hills, all right? God needs you. Several months ago in a leadership meeting, and I've said this before, I made this statement, and at the time that I made it, I really didn't understand why I was saying it, but I made this statement, are you ready for revival? And, and I can't tell you what we talked about in last week's leadership meeting, but that is one statement that I made several months ago that has continued to resonate in my spirit. Are you ready for revival? And I've spoken that out before the congregation. And I ask you again this morning, are you ready for revival? You see, when I asked that question, I've noticed something that happened. I've noticed an onslaught of the enemy that has come to try to turn people and try to create havoc and all that stuff in the body of Christ. Are you ready for a revival? Do you really want revival? Well, pastor, I really want revival, but, but, but did you know I can't come on Sunday morning or, or I can't do this or I can't do that. Are you ready for revival? But pastor, you know, uh, I, I want revival and I believe revival is going to come, but you know what? I, I, I I, I just can't do, I can't, I can't be a part of the prayer team uh, or something like that. Or I, I just, I can't, I can't quit doing what I've been doing all my life. Are you ready for revival? And, and listen, uh, bear with me because I'm having trouble staying on task this morning. See, 
We want a move of God, and we want revival to take place in our lives, but are we willing to move? See, because I believe this morning, and I, and I pray, I pray for other churches, and I pray for other ministries that God would work and move in them and, and, and that we could see revival in our land. But listen, I also understand the reality that not everybody is going to, to walk in the anointing and not everybody are going to make the sacrifices that it takes to walk under the anointing and let God move. Listen, can I tell you something this morning? That most pastors that I know would get extremely nervous to be in a service like this today. You know why? Because they're standing down there looking up here and about 10 people got the microphone and all of them talking. That makes a pastor nervous because he don't know what's going to happen. He don't know how that's going to come out and all that. But listen, I want to tell you something. That that re that revival is going to be more than just your pastor. Revival is going to be more than just an evangelist. If you're waiting on an evangelist to come and bring revival you're waiting a long time. If you're waiting on a pastor to get up and bring revival, you're waiting a long time because God is saying, I want to bring revival out of the back row, out of the back seat, out of the middle section. I want to raise up revivalist. Revivalist. People, men and women, that have revival inside of them. And so it's making room. It's making room. God can't do anything new if we're not willing to get rid of the old. It's like I tell people all the time, and you've probably heard it before. I have people come to me that are addicted to drugs or alcohol. And they say, I want to get free. And I say, well, God will set you free. God will break that yoke of bondage in your life. But are you willing to make some changes in your lifestyle? Yes, yes, Pastor, I am. Are you willing to quit hanging around the crew that you've been in and start spending your time in the house of God? See, everything that God does requires me to make room. That's the reason that Jesus told his disciples, if you want to be a disciple of mine, you've got to deny yourself and take up the cross and follow me. That cross is a symbol of death. So what Jesus was saying is that you've got to deny yourself and carry that symbol of death to yourself and follow me. So the first thing, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, in order for God to do new things, we've got to get rid of the old wineskin. We've got to lay down the old ideas and old opinions. The second thing is this. The very word wine skin lets us know that death had to take place. I did a little research on the wine skin. The wine skin that they used 
is, is skin that comes from the goat or the lamb. But it's, it is a, when we look at the wineskin, it is a picture of death. Because you can't have a wineskin if an animal hasn't died. So it's a picture not only of death, but it is a picture of blood that was shed in order to obtain that wineskin. You've got to understand this morning that God can never do anything of any lasting value in your life until you die to yourself, until the blood of Jesus comes and redeems you from your sin and washes you clean. You cannot, listen, God will not, he never has, and he never will put new wine into somebody that is refusing to die and rejecting the very blood of his son. And you might think this morning, well, pastor's talking to the front four rows this morning across the building. But I'm not just talking to them. I'm talking to some people that's in this room today, and you've been in a lifestyle. You've been in a way of doing things that is destroying you. Not only is it destroying you, but it is destroying your family. It is, it is destroying the very children that you've born, and it's destroying the, the relationships that you have with others. And God is saying this morning that I can rebuild any relationship, and I can rebuild rebuild anything that's been destroyed. There is nothing that the devil has destroyed that God said, I can't rebuild it and I will rebuild it. But I want you to understand something uh, this morning that God is saying, you've got to die to yourself. You've got to let the blood of Jesus come and redeem you from the curse of sin that's in your life. Oh, I hope you're getting this. Because if you're not getting it, I'm going to have to preach it again. So the second thing about the wineskin is it lets us know that death had to take place. And the blood had to shed, be shed. The next thing that I want you to know about the, the, the wineskin is this. You cannot wait to grape harvest, to prepare a wineskin. In other words, the wineskin was prepared through a process. It wasn't just something that you could get up this morning and say, I'm fixing to fix me a wineskin, and I'm going to have it full by evening. The wineskin had to be prepared. It had to go through an aging process. Listen, it is the process that knocks many people out. Did you know that the children of Israel stayed, they were talking about it this morning in the drama, stayed in bondage in Egypt for over 400 years? Listen. But during that 400 years, they had ingrained in their mind, I am a slave. They had it ingrained in their mind, I am not able to do anything by myself. I must have somebody to tell me what to do, when to do, and how 
to do it. I am a slave. In that, they became dependent upon their bondage. You might have missed that. There are times that we become dependent upon our bondage. We would not know how to act if we couldn't talk about this pain in my back. I wouldn't have anything to talk about if I couldn't talk about my old sorry husband. And when those sorry husband gets saved, our world is turned upside down because we can't talk about any problem anymore. You see, the children of Israel had become dependent upon their bondage. That is the reason that when God brought them out, even though he brought them out geographically, they could not get out spiritually because that bondage was so ingrained in their minds. And so the reason that he led them through the wilderness for 40 years, the reason he didn't take them the short way around was that God said, I have got to get Egypt out of them. You ever heard that saying, you can, get the, you can get the boy out of the country, but you can't get the country out of the boy? Brother Ron has heard that. The rest of y'all just city folks, I reckon. You see, the process that you have to go through, ladies and gentlemen, is not meant to destroy you, but it is meant to perfect you. It is meant to, to produce something in you and get that slave mentality out of you. To get that mentality out of you that, that, that the things back in the world were better. So there's a process. There's a process in, pre, in becoming a new wineskin. The next thing is the stitching, and I'm, I've got one more. The stitching of the, of the wineskin. The stitching of the wineskin, it had to be sewn together. It had to be sewn on all sides. The Bible says this in Psalm 103. The psalmist said, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Who has forgiven me of all of my iniquities and who has healed me of all of my diseases. If you look at that word healed, you will see that it simply means he stitched me back together. Because I was a broken individual and God stitched me back together. He sold my life back together. Every wineskin that's going to hold new wine 
has to be stitched together. The next thing, the last thing is that once once the skin has been sewn together, once it's been prepared to hold what God wants to put inside of it, there had to be a sealer that was put on in the inside of the wineskin. Every wineskin had this because this sealer would get in every area of the inside of that skin and seal it and, and cause it to not leak. This sealer was produced by getting the resins from trees and putting them in a pot and under extremely high temperature cause it to boil. And the sealer was poured into the wineskin. And it was massaged to get sealer in every area. You see, what God is wanting to do, friend, is not only prepare you as a wineskin to put his new, his new anointing in that he's going to pour out in your life. But God said, I've got to seal you. I've got to seal you just like he sealed the ark with Noah. It's one thing to build an ark, but it's another thing for it to be sealed. So new wine, new wine skins. The process of becoming a new wineskin. See, it doesn't matter what capacity you serve in. It doesn't matter if God's called you to be a pastor or just a lay person. It all has to do with the wineskin. It all has to do with what God is putting inside of you. Because in order for you to be changed, ladies and gentlemen, God's got to take the old out. You've got to get rid of the old. You've got to to get rid of the old ways of thinking, the old ways of doing, the old ways of acting. Because God wants to do something new. So you see that what God is wanting to do doesn't need to wait to the harvest because the harvest is is here. It's, It's not coming. It's here. I see it every week. The harvest is here. I hear it in my Spirit every week, I hear it from other pastors every week, the harvest is here. I don't know if you saw last week some of the Methodist universities, revival is breaking out in the universities. What was supposed to be just a a, a chapel meeting, 
has been lasting for 24 hours a day, for several days. Kids in the altars praying and seeking God. Revival is not coming. Revival is here. The last days are not coming. They're already here. Can I tell you something this morning? That if there's ever been a moment and a time that you're going to change, it needs to be now. Because the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You say, Pastor, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm trying to wake you up. I'm trying to get you to realize, and I know it's getting late. But listen, get used to it. Because what God wants to do will not be able to be contained in a two or two and a half hour service. Because there will be times that God is going to get a hold of you and he won't let you go until three or four hours later that you find yourself laying on the floor crying out saying, God be merciful to me. Because the mess that I've got myself in, God cannot get me out of it without me making some major changes and some major shifts in my life, my mindset, and my attitude. I've told you this before. God didn't call me to be your health coach. But he called me to tell you how to live your life in Christ. So I want to ask you this morning, as the worship team comes, I'm going to just go ahead and tell you, I love you, I appreciate you. But when you come to McCullough Christian Center, if you have to leave early, Nobody going to think nothing about it. But no more, no longer will I stop what God is speaking into me just because your Apple Watch beeps at 12 o'clock. Because your soul and the soul of your children and the soul of your grandchildren are too important to worry about whether or not you'll make it to the buffet on time. So I want you to stand with me this morning. I don't know what they're going to sing, but I just simply want to ask you this. If you're tired of the old and you're ready for the new, are you ready to make room for the new? Several, several months ago, Judy and I, we, we've got a pool at the house, and it's an in-ground pool, and we've enjoyed it. The grandkids have enjoyed it. <clears throat> it's been a blessing to our family. And <clears throat> but several several months ago, I noticed that the water level in the pool 
was was sinking, shrinking. And and I, I kept looking, I kept examining all my my pipes and my fittings, thinking I had a, a leaky line or something. But it was just every day that I would go out there, the water would be dropped. And so, so I would put the hose in it and fill it back up with water. And I'd get it, I'd get it filled up, and it would be fine. And I, and I noticed this, that during the rainy season, when it, when it rained a lot, the pool never lost water. But when it started drying off, the water level would stop, start falling. What I realized was that when the water was, the ground was saturated with water, the hole in my liner in my pool didn't really make a lot of difference. But when the ground began to get dry, it was sucking the water out of my pool. I wish I had a picture of it today. Because it has no water in it. It has leaves in the bottom of it. It has algae in it. The liner is torn and pulled away from the sides. Why? Because it didn't hold water and the liner was made to hold water. And when there's no water in it, the purpose for the liner is lost. And I don't know if you followed that or not, but the purpose for your life is for God to do something in you. Y'all got something to sing? Go ahead. And go ahead and start playing and I'll hush. The purpose for your life is to hold something that God wants to do in you. See, that's the reason that your life will never work out. And you'll never have the joy that you want. And you'll never walk in the peace that you desire until you get to the place to where you say, God, give me a new liner. God, I need a new liner. Why is it so hard for us to get to that place? Why do we have to go down every dirt road? Why do we have to experience every heartbreak and every, every busted up relationship and, and every broken marriage and every uh, loss of, of family relationships before we recognize that, God, I need a new liner in my life?
Are you ready for a new liner? Are you ready? Are you ready to say, God, out with the old, in with the new? I'm tired of a cistern that doesn't hold water. Somebody here, you've been following people that said you've got to do it like we do. You've got to be like we are. And all you've seen in their lives is deadness and destruction. God said it's time to lay those things down. And quit following people and follow him.